But when you break it down into tactics, it's actually what it is, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to drive people's behaviors in a way by changing how they feel about a particular product, service, or a problem, or whether they even think they have a problem, right? It's, it's really around that. And more intrinsically, it's you know, trying to get people to take action. My name is Stuart Alsop, and this is my podcast, Crazy Wisdom, where I interview creative people about how they work with and manage the stress that is inherent in creative work. What I've realized over the past 10 years of my research is that anybody who is creating something of value that is significantly different from what has come before is considered crazy. Most of us have a fear, an ingrained fear of going crazy. Uh, So what I'm saying is grab onto that fear, realize that it's there and just go with it because the problems we're going to be facing over the next 20 years require crazy people in order to solve them. Welcome to the Crazy Crazy Wisdom podcast. My guest here is Mark Batunga. Uh, he is, yeah, I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, everybody. Um, uh, thanks so much, Stuart, for uh, inviting me on the podcast. Um, my name is Mark, and uh, basically, I have been a marketer for the last 20 years, and I've worked for basically, uh, you know, different size you know, companies from startups uh, to scale-ups all the way to large corporations. Um, and uh, I've been both a side hustler as well as uh, a, a corporate employee and now a lead agencia, a digital marketing agency uh, that helps uh, companies grow. Mm-hmm. And you're starting that agency, right? Yeah, this agency, Agencio, um, started off as a side hustle maybe around 2013 or so. And um, I was managing Agencio uh, and the clients on the side uh, while I was actually leading uh, customer acquisition for for high growth startup Hootsuite. So it was born out of that. Um, so you know, I, w- I would have my 50 hour week uh, with 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 Hootsuite or the startup I was working with, leading you know up to 12 people on my team. And then on evenings and weekends, I'd have the side hustle. Um, managing digital campaigns for a number of different clients and uh, over the last couple of years uh, turned that over to uh, become my full-time uh, you know thing and you've got a podcast as well right yeah I started a podcast uh, earlier this year called growing pains I've actually wanted to start a podcast for quite some time I had I had the gear and everything back in 2013 I was really ramping up to go and I kind of stopped myself because um, when I was reading online, one of the pieces of advice that I heard was, you know, you have to be super passionate about the topic that you're talking about because there's going to be the times where, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not going to go your way. Uh, meaning like you have to be super passionate enough to power through the doldrums of, of starting anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, originally the format of the podcast I was thinking about way back in 2013 was, uh, you know, me as a talking head, just talking about digital marketing and kind of the shortcuts you can take, but it really didn't align with who I was as a person at that time. Mm-hmm. Meaning, 
you know, I don't think of myself as the smartest person in the room. And so I didn't want to be the only one talking on a podcast. Uh, second, uh, I outgrew my initial thesis that there were hacks or shortcuts to, to you know, scaling or growing a company. Um, and I, I wasn't confident that I would be passionate all the way through, especially if it's just me uh, talking on the podcast. And so really held back for quite some time and then, um, you know, picked it up again, uh, uh, you know, this year and full steam ahead. Um, and so the Growing Pains podcast is basically a 360 degree view of how to scale a company from seven figures and beyond. And so I'm not just focusing on the founder. Uh, I'm not just focusing on the founders. Really, the inspiration was podcasts like NPR's How I Built This, um, as well as Reed Hoffman's Masters of Scale. Love those two uh, podcasts. Great narration, great stories and hero's journey stories behind them. The challenge that I had was being one of those, uh, you know, air quotes, underlings helping uh, companies grow. It takes more than just the founder to grow a company. Mm-hmm. And so I took a different approach where I'm now interviewing founders. I'm interviewing executives from marketing and sales and HR and also thought leaders give, give a complete view of how to actually grow a company, not just from a sales standpoint or marketing standpoint, but even from a culture standpoint and you know, business strategy standpoint. Mm, that sounds great. And I love the name growing pains because it ties to the, the, the pain that we all experience in growth and especially in high growth companies, when you start from zero to one, as Peter Thiel says that that zero to one phase can be quite painful. And, uh, uh, and the trick I've, I've been trying to learn is how to, obviously there's going to be pain, pain, but how do you not create more pain for yourself? And so you, t- you, t- you, you talk about um, how you have these side hustles in it, in it, but it seems like you don't do this stuff out of a really kind of joy and love for, for uh, this, this medium or for, for what you do for your craft. Is that, is that correct? Or, or do you find yourself having to uh, rely on motivation or discipline? Are you talking about the podcast or, or my career? All of per it, se? I mean, all of it really, because it sounds like I you've think- got a lot going on. So like, um, and before when you were starting your original company, you, you, you had the side hustle and that's always been something mm-hmm. difficult for me to do is, is to, is to have a main job and then also do work on something on the side. Um, and so what were your motivations for doing that? I think so. Uh, I don't view what I do as work. <laughs> I really don't. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just me, you know, it's, it's just ingrained in my DNA as part of my, who I am. And so what I mean by that is, for me, it's, it's creative expression. You know, uh, for some people, creative expression is I'm going to paint or I'm going to illustrate or, you know, write something. Uh, uh, for me, creative expression is getting business ideas out there or getting marketing ideas out there. Um, and that can take the form of whether it's a, the proper business that I have now or, you know, uh, all the other things that I kind of have my fingers in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that stems from candidly my family's background. My like uh, just a, a short snippet about that is, uh, you know, my father was an entrepreneur, and so were his eight brothers and sisters. With you know, Thanksgiving was more like the LinkedIn meetup than it was family <laughs> gathering, because we'd all talk about business. Hmm. And you know, if you grew up all around that, you never thought of business as work. You just thought of business as, oh, this is just who we are. Right. And coincidentally, 
now that myself and my cousins are all grown up, we too are, you know, predominantly entrepreneurs, predominantly in sales and predominantly in marketing. Mm. Right. And so, um, you're right, you're, you're right on picking up on that. For me, this is a, you know, all the things that I do are passion projects, mm. meaning I, if, if there ever came a time that I was just doing something for work or doing something for money, um, I, I, I think I would fall out of love with it very, very quickly. Mm. And do you ever find yourself in those states of just like, oh, I don't, I don't really like what I'm doing right now, but I see it as part of a bigger picture. And then how do you work with that feeling? If, if you do experience um, it. Yeah, like, like absolutely. There's a, it's, it's never going to be sunshine and rainbows every day. <laughs> There's going to be things that, 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 that um, you know, you're going to have bad days for whatever reason, right? Or you're going to have, you know, difficult periods for whatever reason. Um, the, the best answer that I have for that is really two things. Um, because I asked the same question of, a, of an executive recently. Um, his name was Steve Johnson. He was the chief revenue officer for Hootsuite. Really wise, you know, uh, you know, guy from a business perspective and has had a tons of experience. And I asked him the same question. You know, how do you power through the difficult situations of, you know, growing a startup, for example? And he is like, it all comes down to the purpose. Mm. You got to remember why you're doing it. Mm. And if you're doing it for... Um, uh, you know, really thinly veiled reasons, that's going to fall apart very quickly. Mm. And so whenever I have a difficult period of time, um, I just remember that uh, why I'm doing it. The other, the other part about it candidly is I always have to remind myself, everything is temporary. Mm. Like joy is temporary. Pain is temporary. Stress is temporary. Like we get into a situation sometimes where um, you're just having challenges and, you have this tunnel vision of like, oh my God, this is awful. This is what it's going to be like for, you know, my remaining days. I know that sounds, you know, tragic and, and extremist, but I'm trying to make a point is that you got to remind yourself that everything is temporary and uh, have a have a bit of, I've, through the course of my career, I've tried to level out my highs, my highs and lows. I have a little bit more of a Dallas view of things where it's never as good as you think it is and it's never as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting too, because that gets into the good part of it as well, because we get caught up in the good part. And it feels for me, I've, I've had like seven or eight years of pretty intense stress and just like really that difficult grinding, uh, questioning and doubt and things like that. And now things are starting, I can feel them starting to pick up and start to go in, in, in the good direction. And so the main question I can I find myself asking is, can I enjoy that? Can I experience that? But can I not get wrapped up in it and think that it's, think that it's, uh, take it personally, essentially, because it's going, it's going to stop. Eventually there will be that hard time again. And I feel like if you get wrapped up in the good time, then it can be very, very difficult to then go back into that hard time as well. Well, I, I, I'd, I'd probably have a little slightly different perspective on it. Right. And Mm. what I mean by that is, um, I've learned to try to be in the moment as much as I can. Mm. Right. Like if, and um, the, the two mindsets that I have is if things are going well, relish it, you've earned it. Right. Don't try to, don't try to dull the, the, the feeling of, of, of fulfillment and joy when you're in that high period because you've earned it. Right. Um, and then when there's down times, I try to have the mindset of, 
I need to find out what the lesson is here. Mm-hmm. Right. Meaning like, uh, let's not, let's not waste this horrible experience. What is the lesson here? Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the re the way that I learned that was, um, by my very nature, I always think two, three months ahead. Mm-hmm. Right. Even when things were going well, I always thought two or three months ahead because I have a very analytical perspective on things and several people just had to kind of ground me. Like my family had to ground me. My wife, my wife had to ground me. It's like, take a look at what's around you and be thankful for what you have right now, whether it's good or bad and stop thinking too much ahead that you're not enjoying the present. Mm. Right. And sometimes, uh, you know, the present is awful, but you got to learn from it. And if the present is awesome, then just, you know, know that you've earned those riches. Mm. Uh, there's an interesting thing that that brings up. Uh, and I just talked about it yesterday on my uh, interview with Ryan Delk of uh, Omni, a startup. And we were talking about the book Creativity Inc. Um, and Ed mm-hmm. Catmull uh, talks a lot about it, um, which is essentially that, uh, <laughs> sorry, I totally lost my train of thought there. Um, can you remind me what we were talking about just now? Oh, we were just talking about um, the highs and lows and, and trying to figure out whether you should, you know, be in the moment or, or kind of dull the experience, so to speak. Mm, no, I've lost it. <laughs> uh, no worries. That's really, um, so creativity, what is your definition or how do you work with creativity? What are your thoughts on it? Um, my definition has definitely changed over the years. And I think I've, I've changed it to, to, to kind of uh, satisfy or satiate, you know, the, the, that creative side. And what I mean by that is, you know, when, when I was getting into my college career, I actually wanted to be a graphic designer. And my definition of creativity was very traditional, right? Mm-hmm. It was the creative arts. It's writing. It was, it was painting, it was, it was illustrating, what have you. Um, and then once I moved on to kind of the more analytical business side of things, uh, I've learned that creativity doesn't necessarily mean have to be a visual expression. Creativity could mean, um, you know, uh, finding ways to motivate somebody or finding ways to, you know, have an engaged team. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm probably twisting the word creativity there, but I do so on purpose because everybody has to have, in my opinion, everybody has to have a, a creative expression. Mine just happens to be business. Mm. Absolutely. And I, yeah, that's part of the reason the show is that I believe everybody is creative. And even right now, both of us are essentially creating our realities uh, through our, our perception mechanism. So like when we, when we look at something, we're not actually looking at that thing. We're looking at that at light reflecting from the sun or from a light bulb onto that thing. And then our eyes are essentially dumbing that down by a factor of 10 so that our brain can interpret mm-hmm. it. So we're all in this creative process all the time most of it is unconscious where we're, where we're creating this whole reality that is not exactly reality. It's like a model of reality, um, which I find really interesting because, and then that it, it, there's more, you know, superficial layers or deeper layers of creativity that, that we're, we're, we're going into about actually creating business. And most people don't really think about art, uh, don't really think about business as, as creative. They think about art as creative, but as, as, as we're talking about on this podcast yesterday, um, business can be just as creative. Like Steve Jobs was one of the most creative people on the planet. Like the way that he negotiated right. things, he saw these structures of business in a way that it was highly creative because he had to essentially 
look into the future, think about how this thing was going to create and then see what he wanted to create in that, in that, in that moment, in that negotiation. So he had to create a future that didn't exist in his head and then apply that, that insight into the business so that that, that future would actually come true. It's, 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 I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, as you were saying that, um, I tried, I, and maybe I'm just nerding out on, 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 and, and I'm totally drinking the Kool-Aid on, on, you know, entrepreneurship, but I've seen it meaning like, you know, growing up and seeing these entrepreneurs around me and, and now kind of um, observing and studying others, it is not easy. It's a triangulation of uh, your own vision, what's happening out there in the market and the consumers and the people that you're trying to satisfy. And, you know, the people that you're trying to get on board and motivate, that is not an easy thing. That's, you have to be creative on how to triangulate all those three or four different aspects of, of making it work. How many, uh, how many employees do you have right now? Or how many people you, are you working with? We're working with about five people right now. And it's interesting to ask that because I find that when people ask that, it's almost a trying to size up or determine credibility of a business. Not that I'm implying that you're, that's what you're doing, but that's, that's generally, even when I've asked that in the past, it's generally kind of the gauge. Mm. And I just literally had a conversation with my business partner about a week and a half ago. Mm. And we are, we are, operating the business and going to be growing the business based on a different set of rules than mm. the norms now. Cause it seems like everybody's running a startup, whether it really is a startup or not to be mm. frank. Right. Mm. And in my experience, big does not equal better. Big does not equal more profitable. Big does not equal more joy. <laughs> in, in fact, sometimes big is, is the one that robs you of the joy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so right now we're, we're a team of five, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll grow judiciously, mm -hmm. but I've managed and led much larger teams throughout my career. Mm -hmm. Um, and I personally find a lot of satisfaction around it, um, mm -hmm. and leading people and teams. Um, and to, to, to give you an idea of that, there was, Probably about a couple of years ago, you know, I pressed pause on my career, not, not figured, like, not literally stopped everything, but figuratively and try to, try to, you know, figure out what my next steps were going to be. And I was actually considering becoming a leadership coach, mm. right? Because I love working with leaders and, and, and I love working, working with people. And um, one of my, one of my colleagues and mentors uh, kind of said, you know, Mark, I've observed that you really like working with people and leading teams. Um, and I understand that you want to run, you know, you want to break off and not have to work for a large or another business or what have you. And cause I was kind of stuck at the time to figure out whether I really wanted to you know, double down on this agency. And um, he said to me, if you really love working with teams, why don't you just create a company that just happens to have a team, <laughs> right? Like, like, like the byproduct of what you're doing is, mm. is, you know, the joy that you get out of helping mentor and grow people that are working with you. Like, why don't you just do that? And that's when the light bulb kind of clicked is mm. it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? I, it's, uh, you know, uh, the leading and, and influencing people's careers and, and, and kind of their trajectory is kind of my underlying uh, motivation sometimes for doing things. 
uh, why not start a company and that ends up being a byproduct of what I do, <laughs> right? So um, definitely love working with people. Never really wanted to start a consultancy, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, long-winded answer to the question. Uh, yeah, we're five right now, but it, I can easily see us growing, but uh, not growing uh, to the point, not growing without really understanding what the impact is to the holistic person meaning us as business owners. Uh, so yeah, I've got two things that we could go down on that. Uh, the first is that it is, I, I actually wasn't asking that question about because of to, to uh, put you guys in a, in, a, in a slot of whether you're bigger or small. I, and I actually, I really agree with you in my own personal life. I remember I was at South by Southwest about five years ago when I was first starting my company, I was under the impression mm-hmm. that I want to grow a big billion dollar company and have a lot of people and, create a huge organization. And then I I was at a barbecue event at South by Southwest and I ran into this guy who was a successful serial serial entrepreneur, first time, grew a company, 500,000 people um, and hated his life, hated the admin, the management, the the, the constant communication and leading and all this different stuff. And he was like, you know what? I never want to do this. And so he created a board game company and he said, we are never going to grow above 12 people. And I'll never forget what he did said, which was that limit of 12 people put a such a, um, a limit on it that they only hired who they needed to be. So they ended up being very, very highly effective. And then that leads a lot. And then, you know, I started following the history of WhatsApp. And now in this day and age, you actually can create a company, a huge, massive company value uh, out of with 19 people. WhatsApp only had 19 people when they were bought by Facebook. So it's there, 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 the the connection between large workforces and huge value is starting to diminish as the internet gets more powerful and more influential, I believe. Uh, And then the other thing is that uh, I really like what you brought up about why do you want to coach people when you can just start a business and then end up coaching them anyway? Because so much of of management and so much business of business is actually uh, coaching the people who work for you, work with you and like guiding them and leading them. So, some of the best coaches are people who have started companies because that's what they do when they, when they, when they, when they create a company. Right. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Sometimes like, uh, I think um, there's one time where I was interviewing somebody for a job for one of my teams and the job required people management. Like the, 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 the job was a director level job and required people management. And I was interviewing this gentleman and uh, things were going great. And I asked them, you know, um, what do you like about leading people? And he was really candid with me. He's like, I actually don't like leading people, mm-hmm. right? I'm really good at what I do. I like where I am. I like the, the influence I have, but I really don't like leading people. Um, I, I obviously didn't hire him for the role, but it really kind of solidified for me that there are individuals out there that are in positions within organizations or even leading companies that can't, in my opinion, shouldn't be leading companies. <laughs> you shouldn't be leading those entities or companies. Mm. I am firmly, firm, I'm super opinionated on this, but I am mm. firmly in the, in, in the spot where as a leader, your job is to lead people. And even if you delegate that, you yourself will be influencing that company or that organization, even if you delegate that. Mm-hmm. But you, you would have to like insulate yourself so severely to not have it to talk to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
either own up to it that, hey, this is part of the job and this is what I'm going to do or don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Or even be like your, 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 your colleague and say, you know what, I, I, my, my aspiration isn't actually to lead a thousand person company. I like you know, having these close knit relationships and being in the know. Okay, mm-hmm. great, we'll cap it at 50. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, famously, I've, I've heard a couple of podcasts from a company called Ahrefs, which is a, a MarTech startup. And their founder said, we're not going to go beyond 50 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Which is admirable. It's, it's kind of like, okay, great. We're not, we're, you know what? I, I really don't like uh, running a business any larger than that. And therefore we're going to cap it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is MarTech, is that marketing technology? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, was, I thought for a minute there it was maritime. <laughs> um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Uh, that's really interesting. And yeah, that's the, 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 the leadership angle. Do you think that people who don't like leading? So basically what we're saying is that people who don't like leading, uh, shouldn't be leaders or can you Uh, dislike leading, but have such a big purpose that, uh, that kind of helps you get through the dislike of the actual process of leading. Like I think um, there's different, like there's different definitions of leadership, right? Not all leaders have to have a team under them. Mm-hmm. Like some people are like, Hey, you know what? I've got a small group of, of two or three folks that, uh, uh, you know, our, our job is strategy or research or what have you. Great. You know, that's leading, right. Um, or you can be a consultant, still lead, you know, uh, and, and lead and help a, an organization. When, when I say don't be a leader, if you don't like people is if, if part of what needs to, you know, if leading people is what you need to achieve success, then figure out whether you like leading people, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and, the re- and this is why I'm so opinionated on this. I strongly believe that 80 to 90% of people's happiness today is strongly influenced by who they report to. Mm. Meaning like as much as, as much as many of us want to say, Hey, you know what, I'm, I'm a smart individual and I can compartmentalize work and the rest of my life. A lot of people's unhappiness is because of work. <laughs> and if it's because they are working under a leader that actually doesn't want to lead them, then do yourself a favor and move aside and let somebody else take on that job who can, who can do that job well. Mm. This kind of gets back to something I've been thinking about recently, which is alignment and al- alignment of of purpose, like what you're saying, which is so many things come downstream of being aligned in what you are doing and why you're doing it. I guess the why is mm-hmm. as you talks about, it's like so much mm-hmm. of it just comes down. Like if you're in a position where you're managing others, but you're in it for vanity or for that power or for the money, all of these material superficial things, uh, then that's mm-hmm. going to come through. And, but if you're there because you see something that needs to happen in the world and that managing people, like you said, is what you need in order to be successful at that, then that will come through as well. And that goes back to this kind of unconscious thing. Like most of us as human beings, uh, as animals, our, 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 our uh, organisms are, have evolved to have most of the processes as unconscious processes. And this new addition of conscious thought, which other animals might probably don't have, um, is oftentimes as human beings, we kind of identify with that and say, that's the whole thing, because that's the only thing we see. But really, there's a lot of this unconscious thing that are starting to affect and also kind of like 
uh, spread out to the people that we're, we're, we're in touch with and we're in communication with. I, I think that um, if anyone who's listening has worked at an organization of a particular size, meaning like, let's say 500 employees, 1,000 people and up, you will quickly realize that success is relationships. Success mm -hmm. is mentoring. Success is leading people. And the most dysfunctional companies that have difficulty growing are the ones that don't realize that that's critical. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I recently had, had, had spoken to a management consultant and she, uh, her name's Mick Berman and she had consulted with Shopify when there were 500 people. And I asked her, um, what do you say to those CEOs and founders that don't believe in these soft skills of setting up mission and vision and, you know, setting up the values of the organization. Um, and she's like, I just point them to the most successful companies out there mm. because they, they had to power through and figure that out for themselves. Mm. And if, if they're not convinced, then they have to feel the pain of, of not being able to figure that out. Mm. Right. That, and that's such an interesting point because that goes into why I read a lot, why I'm partly why I'm doing this podcast as well is that I've had enough pain in my life and uh, a lot of it's been self-caused uh, because I didn't heed advice or heed what I really thought or the intuition. And one of the best ways we can stop future pain, stop future unnecessary pain is to learn from others and to read from them and to understand their worldview and understand their mistakes. And that you give a really good point of essentially like, if they don't recognize it, they have to go through that pain, but you can shortcut that by actually recognizing the need for these very things. But that gets into uh, the notion of advice and receiving wisdom from other people, because a lot of times that wisdom and advice you get from people does not apply to you and you can make a mistake in applying it. How do you know the difference or how can you tell whether somebody has advice for you that may not apply to you or that it does apply to you? That's an interesting question. Um, usually I seek out feedback right away. Uh, mm -hmm. Not right away, but usually I seek, I, I, I seek out feedback. Um, and the folks that have tried to, or have given me advice, normally I just kind of sit on it for a bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I've learned, right? Uh, meaning I have to make sure that the inputs that people give me, whether that's good or bad, I don't act on right away. <laughs> I kind of reflect on it a little bit. Sometimes mm -hmm. it takes a while. Like I'll be, mm -hmm. I'll be honest, you know, sometimes it, it takes me like a month to figure out, Oh, that thing that John said, or that thing that Stuart said, uh, this is what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it's a conscious process for me. Mm -hmm. It's not like I have like, uh, you know, a flow chart that says whether I should listen to Stuart's advice or not. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, that's a good answer. I think, I think that's a really good answer is to sit with it and really kind of feel into it. And then, and then from the work of Daniel Kahneman, who talks, who wrote this book called thinking fast and thinking slow, we've got two systems yeah. in, our, in our body, the system one, system two, I can't remember which one is which, but system one might be the one that's uh, intuition based system two is rational cognitive based. And you have to go back between the systems and check, okay, I got this, I got this advice. How does that feel in my belly? How does that feel in my gut? Yep. What is it telling me to do? And then go into your brain and say, rationally, if I do this, what then happens to that? And then it's that bouncing off of each other. Um, and then there's another component, which he doesn't talk about, which is, is which I believe, which is there's a sense of love and um, uh, kind of love with a capital L, which is which mm -hmm. is where you can kind of feel it in the heart where it's like this kind of sense of passion and, and, and um, magnetism that draws you towards something. 
Yeah, and I think uh, the one pulse check they can figure out whether you're getting the right advice or you're getting the advice from the right person is values. Mm. Interesting. Meaning, uh, let me let me let me let me put it this way, right? Meaning, if I'm going to use extremes here, let's say for example that my values prioritize relationships over capitalism or revenue, mm. and someone gives me advice and says you know what, Mark, you know, don't worry about, you know, you know, don't worry about, you know, compensation or the wellness of, you know, your employees, because you can increase your profit margins this way. My number one intuition would say, do you and I have are aligned on our value systems? Mm -hmm. Because that will determine whether what you tell me is going to align with what I want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I think that the difficult part there is the difficult part there, sorry to interrupt me, but the difficult part there is a lot of, uh, let's just say a lot of business executives and leaders, they, they, when we say values, most of them, at least most of the people I'm around, they automatically think company values, but nobody actually articulates what your personal values are. Mm. And not that, uh, you know, I didn't write down my own personal values recently until I had to do it for my company. Mm. Right. And so back again to how do I know whether to take advice or not? I think subconsciously, that's what one of the things that's one of my check, you know, my, my check marks or tick boxes are is do you, al- you and I align, do you and I vibe? Cause if we're not aligned, what you think is good for me is probably very different for from what I think is good for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this goes into something really interesting as well. Not only are there personal and company values, but there are also unconscious and conscious values that we all hold. And a lot of times we have unconscious values, unconscious beliefs that are driving our behavior, but we haven't really looked at them or, or recognized them. Uh, and those can have a certain kind of influence or draw that we might not be necessary, we might not see or perceive um, because they're unconscious for whatever reason, uh, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into the creativity side of what you're doing, and I want to dig into what is marketing and what uh, what it is and why you love it. Ah, that's an interesting one. Um, I never really thought about it all that much for a long time, and um, I. I actually asked this of, um, he's a VP of marketing. His name's David McKinnich. Um, and he worked, he, he had the marketing for a FinTech company. I asked him yeah, exactly the same question and his answer, I'm going to steal his answer. Mm-hmm. Right. But marketing today is, uh, really all about change, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's mm-hmm. trying to change a person's perception of something. It's trying to change, you know, uh, someone's decision on something. It's trying to change, uh, you know, how they feel about one thing or another. And that sounds really hokey and sounds kind of airy fairy, but when you break it down into tactics, it's actually what it is, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to drive people's behaviors in a way by changing how they feel about a particular product service or a problem or whether they even think they have a problem right? It's, it's really around that. And, uh, more intrinsically, it's, uh, 
you know, trying to get people to take action, mm -hmm. right? So that's the high level version of, of my, that's my hippie version or definition of marketing. Mm -hmm. But a more tactical answer to that question is, in today's era, marketing is really here to drive growth. And it's a one-to-many activity. Mm. Interesting. And so how, why is it not one-to-one? -one? What is one? That would be sales, in, right? That would be sales. That would yeah. be sales, right? Uh -huh. Meaning like it's a one-to-many because you're, you're trying to bucket people into you know, target markets and groups and, and say, Hey, I'm going to try to influence this chunk of the population mm -hmm. as opposed to sales, which is like trying to read you as the individual and trying to figure out what problems you specifically have mm -hmm. and how to change your mind. That's interesting. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm in a place right now where I really love doing this podcast. Uh, and I want to continue doing it. I think maybe three to four years down the line, this is what this is what I want to be doing as as a source of income. But right now, I need to. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm what I'm doing is I'm doing one on one massage if they're in per, if I'm around somebody in person or if we're remote mm -hmm. and we're working Zoom, it's one on one uh, yoga session or coaching session. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I'm really trying to. I guess I'm doing sales right now. I, I have to. I've um, I've got a bunch of leads basically of friends who have expressed interest and, and, and also I want to drum up more interest. And, and so I guess that's the marketing part is that drumming up more interest. Um, and then the sales part is once I find somebody who's interested, then it's sales, right? Absolutely. I think even on a personal consulting front, um, you know, I, I don't think we put enough onus on, uh, and, and I hate even saying the, the term personal brand, but it, it exists. Let's be real. It exists out there. Mm. And when someone says, Hey, Stuart, can you help me out with this? That's your personal brand working for you. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. Or when someone introduces you to somebody else, that's your personal brand working for you. Mm. And it's not luck. It is all the work you, you did prior to that to make that happen. Mm. Whether that's mm. this podcast or the content that you share or the advice that you gave that individual, that's, that's not luck. That's mm. your personal brand working for you. Mm. Now, you trying to close a deal, that's sales. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and so what is the biggest lear lesson you've learned about marketing in the last six months to a year? I don't know. I think it's been interesting because I've, I've, the, I think of the pendulum swings. of, mm. And pendulum swings, what I mean by that is like, you know, some people think marketing is all about X and then, then suddenly it's like, why? And what I mean by that is like, you know, um, may, if you asked me that question, mm. you know, maybe five, six years ago, I would have said marketing is all about being data driven. Mm. And then now the pendulum swinging back to marketing is all about being creative and trying to take that data and try to do something creative with it. Right. Mm. Um, to answer your question, I would say where we are right now in marketing is more of being um, a facilitator of making your decision, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, it's the, in, marketing is the invisible hand that guides you towards my product, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, uh, gone are the days or, you know, where everybody watch, watches primetime TV 
on Thursday at 8 p.m. And the commercial on, on that, you know, on, on that show is going to be influencing a, a, you know, a Super Bowl sized audience, right? It's such a fragmented place now that you really have to understand your consumers and create content and create a brand that resonates with those smaller pockets of consumers. And so marketing is really all around doing whatever you can, whether that's the creative, you know, whether that's the data part side of the equation to say who really is our consumer to uh, you know, the, 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 the marketing strategy side of it to say, what's the positioning, but all of it is really around trying to influence you to make your decision. It's not trying to brute force, get in there to get you to buy. Because mm -hmm. right now I would say, and I, I have a hard time seeing it change, but we're at a point where consumers have the upper hand on all businesses out there. Mm. They have so many choices. Mm. They have so many avenues for researching. They're much more informed, right? And uh, even like take even, you know, even your own personal experiences. Let's use my personal experience. Mm. I was buying a screen protector for my phone and I literally watched maybe about a week's worth of YouTube videos for a $20 piece of plastic for my phone. <laughs> right yeah. now that's only a $20 piece of plastic. <laughs> Imagine mm. if you're trying to buy a million dollar piece of software, mm. right? Like consumers these days are such, so much more savvy and can sniff out when, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, some trickery is being implied. It's really more around like, mm giving you the information and hopefully give you, make you understand that we're the right decision for you. That's so interesting because what you're talking about reminds me of Seth Godin's book, um, This Is Marketing, which mm -hmm. where he talks about Mad Men, the TV show, and how it, it was a cultural phenomenon that changed a lot of people's view on the 1950s, but it never saw more than 1% of the population of the United States. Uh, whereas right. like you go 40 years, 50 years, everybody watched those TV shows that were on Thursday night, you know, you had like 30, 40, 50 million people all consuming this, this, this single tr uh, channel of content. And it's so interesting because now it seems like what you, I, the thing that I got from what you just said is that essentially to really be differentiated from everyone else, you have to be authentic because audiences have been, uh, um, have had marketing shoved down their throat for the last 40 years in this one to many kind of just, I'm going to show this is what you're watching. You're going to watch this because there's nothing else to do. Uh, and now they've got option, uh, limitless options. So their subconscious has kind of come much more towards the decision-making process and they can, they just get that uneasy sense like, Oh, I'm being sold to here. I don't, I don't like that. So what you're, I was going to ask you, what is the piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's creating a new product in this day and age? And I kind of answered it for myself, which is align yourself and, and come from a place of authenticity and truth. I think that um, let's, let's get back to the then and now mm -hmm. back then let's, and let's rewind it to, you know, in my childhood, which is the eighties, but back then you did not have a lot of choices. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, on television, on primetime television, there may have been five really good shows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And everybody crowded around the TV on a particular time. And there wasn't a lot of distraction. Mm -hmm. Today, there are so many things that are trying to distract you. Right. So automatically 
the channels are fragmented, mm. right? Mm. Um, and on top of that, we're so much more informed as consumers uh, where marketing is now in the forefront as opposed to being in the background. Mm. Like people know that it's being marketed to, right, is the point I'm trying to say. So my best piece of advice is uh, one that will never expire, in my opinion. Mm. It's be customer focused. It's not about you. It's not about what message you want to put out there. It's around the consumer and what they need and what problem you're solving for them. Right. And um, it, it's, it's such a simple, you know, mm. uh, piece of advice that, you know, you can probably easily gloss over it and like, yeah, yeah, Mark. Okay. Whatever. But mm-hmm. you'd be so surprised how just that one viewpoint can help you pulse check on whether you're doing the right thing. Mm. So essentially how to be of service to others. Essentially. Yeah. Like, um, and that's why a lot more advanced organizations are folding in customer support into the marketing function. Mm. Mm. It's because they realize that word of mouth is a, is a really important thing. It's not products, you know, job to make somebody happy. It like it is, but ultimately the impact is to the growth of your company. Meaning like word of mouth is the biggest thing out there that is very difficult to measure that's going to help your company grow. So a lot more advanced organizations are now folding Mm. customer support into their marketing function because they realize that it's really a being of service to, (laughs) to, 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 uh, you know, the market that you're trying to serve. Mm. And it seems like word of mouth is not only difficult to measure, but also difficult to influence. Um, Like uh, it's hard to, it's hard to know how, how, to make your products more uh, um, li- liable towards somebody sharing it. Well, okay, so I'm I'm sure there's somebody out there saying, "Nope, we can game it." There's a growth hack around it. I'm sure there are. Like by adding some sort of, you know, um, you know, social sharing capabilities within your product. Sure, there's there's those. But after talking to various marketing leaders, a couple of things, you know, resonated with me. Could you potentially game? you know, word of mouth by saying, Hey, Stuart, if you really liked our product, here's a $50 coupon for anybody that, that you refer. Mm. But guess what? In order for you to put that in front, that means that you're putting money in front of your reputation. Mm. Mm. Right. And anytime that's happened, just broadly speaking, most folks are like, those are the less qualified leads that we get because they're not bought in. You know, they're just kicking the tires or what have you. Mm-hmm. The true authentic, you know, word of mouth recommendations are the ones that bring in um, the converted, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, that's really cool. So we've got about five minutes left. What is the most interesting thing that you've read or an idea that you've had or, or content that you've read um, something somebody's told you about the your that about the relationship between creativity and stress, or your or that has affected your ability to create or to be less stressed. Um, this is an interesting question. I think the the one that pops in my mind is Jason Freed from from Basecamp mm-hmm. or Thirty Seven Signals. Right, he's he's got a really contrarian view of how to run a company. Um, rework is probably the the book that I have in mind right now that pops up that says it, it really is influencing the way that I want to conduct business. Mm. Um, and 
it's really that anti-hustle culture and, uh, you know, really from the perspective of questioning the norms out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's taught me to, you know, not drink the Kool-Aid just because all the cool kids are talking about online. That mm-hmm. must be the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think out of anything, never mind all the tips that he has, that he shares in his books and, and, and all the uh, you know, interviews that he's done. I think the thing that I like about what Jason is doing is that the underlying thing that I've personally learned is question if that's right for you. Mm. Right. Question, like if you're structuring a company a certain way, question if that's right for you. Mm. If certain people are promoting or running their business a certain way, question if that's right for you. Right. Okay. And I don't know if that was intended or not, but that's what I got out of what, mm. what I get out of the, his, his work. Again, it's this, everything comes from downstream from alignment and tr- truth and essentially the, the search for true, for what is true to you uh, and, and what will help, what, what serves you as well as what it serves others, because essentially we're all connected. Um, that's really interesting. Have you, did you read, uh, it doesn't have to be crazy at work? Yeah, I think I'm probably about, you know, three or four chapters in on, mm-hmm. on that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I really admire the, the way that he thinks about work. Um, mm. and you know, due to him, I've actually turned off my Slack notifications mm. <laughs> because it's, it's such a distracting piece of technology that's not yeah. contributing to the overall. Right. So that's, mm. that's one tip for those folks out there that are like, I don't have enough time, turn off some notifications. You'll be surprised <laughs> how much time you got. <laughs> that's really cool. Well, this has been an awesome uh, pleasure. Uh, cool. how can people find more, more about what you're doing? Absolutely. So if you're interested in finding out more about my agency, it's agencio.ca. That's A-G-E-N-C-I-O.ca. Or if you'd like to learn more about my podcast, Growing Pains, it's growingpains.io. And you're active on Twitter too, right? Yep. It's at Mark Batanga. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the link, uh, Stuart, so you can have it in the show notes. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Stuart. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you liked it, please go ahead and find us on iTunes or Spotify and hit the subscribe button. I'll publish each episode by Monday morning before your commute, so make sure to check in then. And this is a reminder to just own your crazy, because the challenges that this world will be facing over the next hundred years will require us to think way outside the box. As Hunter S. Thompson said, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Thanks. Have a great day. 